Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit SayMyThyroid.com forward slash peptides. Hey, this is Dr. Eric. And in this Q&A episode, I am going to answer the question, when is thyroid medication truly necessary to take? So many people with hyperthyroidism take antithyroid medication, while many with Hashimoto's take thyroid hormone replacement. And it's not uncommon for people to be cautious about taking these. And this is especially true with antithyroid medication, such as methimazole, although there are people with Hashimoto's who have been told by their doctor to take thyroid hormone replacement, only to hold off on taking it. So what I like to do here is discuss not only when it's necessary to take these, but the risk versus the benefits, common dosing recommendations, as well as alternative options. So let's start with antithyroid medication, including methimazole, PTU, if you live in the United Kingdom or another country, you might be taking carbimazole, which converts into methimazole. But as far as when is it necessary to take, well, Antithyroid medication, of course, is prescribed when someone has hyperthyroidism, typically overt hyperthyroidism. What I mean by that, if someone has depressed TSH and elevated thyroid hormone levels, then most doctors, including most endocrinologists, will recommend antithyroid medication. If someone has subclinical hyperthyroidism, meaning that their TSH is depressed and the thyroid hormone levels are normal, then they are less likely to have antithyroid medication prescribed to them. And so it makes sense. You want to do something. I'm not saying that everyone should take antithyroid medication, but if someone has elevated thyroid hormone levels, you want to do things to lower the thyroid hormones. Now, I'll get into alternative options soon, but many of you know that when I dealt with Graves' disease, I did not take antithyroid medication. I took an herb called bugleweed, which is one of the alternative options I'll discuss shortly. But there is a time and place for antithyroid medication. That gets into the risk versus benefits. You want to be safe when dealing with hyperthyroidism. Obviously, some people can accomplish this by taking herbs like I did or higher doses of L-carnitine. Again, I'll get into the alternative options. But either way, the risks of unmanaged hyperthyroidism is high. Unmanaged hyperthyroidism will put stress on the cardiovascular system, increase the risk of you having a thyroid storm. It'll have a negative effect on bone density. You know, So you really don't want to have elevated thyroid hormone levels for a prolonged period of time. And so the benefit of taking antithyroid medication is that it's really effective. In most people, it's going to work. It's going to be effective in lowering the thyroid hormones. But a concern is that side effects are common with either methimazole or PTU. Methimazole is given in most cases over PTU just because PTU can be harsher on the liver It's not always harsh on the liver. If you do some research, you'll come across some case studies that show that PTU caused liver failure, which is scary, but it's very rare. And again, I'm not saying that most people should take PTU or that PTU should be recommended over methimazole. In some situations, such as the first trimester of pregnancy, PTU is typically prescribed because less risk of 
side effects at a baby, including malformations when compared with methimazole. But in most cases, methimazole will be recommended. And then if someone is unable to tolerate methimazole, they might be told to take PTU. In some cases, the endocrinologist will just recommend rate active iodine or thyroid surgery. But again, a lot of patients of mine take antithyroid medication and do okay. And if they're doing fine, I'm not going to tell them to stop taking the medication. Again, I can't tell them to stop even if I wanted to because I don't have prescribing rights. But even if I could, the herbs such as bugleweed and L-carnitine, which isn't an herb, but in higher doses has antithyroid properties. These can be effective, but they don't work in everybody. So again, that's why even if I was able to tell someone to stop taking the medication, I'm not sure if I would especially if someone seems to be tolerating it well, if their liver enzymes are looking good, their white blood cell count looks okay, and they're not really having any symptoms. Now, as far as dosing options, some endocrinologists will recommend really high doses of antithyroid medication. It usually does depend on the person's thyroid hormone levels. If they are off the charts, then they might recommend a higher dose, such as in the case of methimazole, 40 milligrams per day many times in divided doses, like 20 milligrams twice per day. Whereas if their thyroid hormone levels aren't too bad or even moderate, then they might start with a lower dose, like 10 milligrams, sometimes lower, like five milligrams. And of course, sometimes in the middle, like 20 milligrams. So it could it goes all over the place. It really depends on the person. And I understand that some people absolutely don't want anything to do with antithyroid medication, but some people are willing to take a lower dose, like the endocrinologist might recommend 20 to 40 milligrams, and the person talks to endocrinologists into taking 10 milligrams, or they don't talk to endocrinologists into taking 10 milligrams, but they just take it on their own, or maybe they take five milligrams. And some people might do fine. Some people might take that lower dose, and then upon retesting a thyroid panel, see that they're still hyperthyroid, and then increase the dose. So again, dosing really does depend on the person. And then getting back to the alternative options. So once again, when I dealt with Graves' disease, I took the herb bugleweed, which has antithyroid properties, and it worked really well in my situation. And for a lot of people, it does work. But again, it doesn't work with everybody. There's also L-carnitine. So L-carnitine in higher doses, the research shows two between 2,000 and 4,000 milligrams per day. That also has antithyroid properties. I mentioned how I took motherwort, but motherwort doesn't have antithyroid properties. I took it more for the cardiovascular symptoms, the heart palpitations, which antithyroid drugs or herbs may help with that. Like if someone takes methimazole, they may not need to take a beta blocker, but in some cases they might still need to take a beta blocker. And with the herbs, someone who takes bugleweed might not need to take motherwort because the bugleweed, by lowering the thyroid hormone levels, they might no longer experience the elevated resting heart rate and or palpitations. In my case, I still had some palpitations, so I added the motherwort. And then there's lemon balm, which has mild antithyroid properties, really just more of a calming effect. And lithium orotate, there's lithium carbonate, but that falls under the medication, just like cholestyramine, cholestyramine, not really anti-thyroid. Cholestyramine is a binder, so it could bind to thyroid hormone. But lithium orotate also has anti-thyroid properties. So there's a few different alternatives. And you know, obviously, I'm going to recommend working with the natural healthcare practitioner, not necessarily me. I mean, I do work with people one-on-one and work with people remotely. 
if you want to look into that. But again, there are other practitioners that also will help you. And so let's talk now about thyroid hormone replacement for those with Hashimoto's or non-autoimmune hypothyroidism. So as far as when is it necessary to take, it's a little bit more tricky with thyroid hormone replacement because like with antithyroid medication, you want to take it when your thyroid hormone levels are elevated. And if you have low thyroid hormone levels, then it probably is a good idea to take thyroid hormone replacements. And I should say, while adjusting the cause of the problem, so I didn't mention that with antithyroid medication, but with both of these, you obviously want to be addressing the cause of the problem while taking a medication, or in this case, thyroid hormone replacement. So if someone has low thyroid hormone levels, yeah, you want to try to address the cause of the problem, but you need to take the thyroid hormone, in my opinion, just because Again, we'll we'll get to risk versus benefits, but having thyroid hormone that's too high isn't good, but if it's too low, that also is not a good thing either. Now, when someone is more subclinical where thyroid hormone levels are within the lab range, but less than optimal, it gets a little bit more challenging. If if you go to your primary care doctor or an endocrinologist and your TSH is above the reference range, above the lab reference range, Regardless of how your thyroid hormones look like, they're likely to prescribe thyroid hormone replacements. If your TSH is elevated and your thyroid hormone levels are less than optimal, or again, most medical doctors aren't looking at optimal, they're looking at if it's below the range. So that's why, again, really from a medical perspective, they're looking at TSH. Now, TSH is within the range, but kind of on the higher side, let's say a three, a three, 3.5, which most labs, it would be within the range. And if the thyroid hormone levels are on the lower side, usually they're not going to be overtly low if the TSH is like a three, 3.5, but maybe they're less than optimal. It really depends on the doctor. Some doctors will recommend thyroid hormone based on symptoms. If this thyroid panel is showing signs of it not being optimal, but then others will be stubborn and they won't recommend it unless TSH is outside of their lab reference range. So when do I think it's necessary to take? Well, again, if your thyroid hormone levels are overtly low, below the lab reference range, probably a good idea to take thyroid hormone replacement. If someone is subclinical, at least on a blood test, like if their TSH is high, that thyroid hormone levels are well within the lab range, let's say, like maybe less than optimal, but not looking too bad. And if they're not experiencing symptoms, then I'm not sure if everybody in this situation needs thyroid hormone. Again, most Medical doctors would recommend it because the TSH is elevated, but if the person's feeling okay and their thyroid hormone levels aren't too bad, then I think it depends on the person. If the person in the same situation has a lot of symptoms that are related to low thyroid, like not only fatigue, but weight gain and coldness and brain fog and maybe constipation, if they're having a number of different symptoms, then a trial of thyroid hormone might not be a bad idea. And then so as far as what type of thyroid hormone should you take? There's synthetic versus desiccated. So I'm not going to get into great detail here. I mean, I prefer desiccated such as Armour or NP thyroid. Used to be Nature Thyroid and WP thyroid, but those I believe are still no longer available. I mean, it's not perfect. There are some people that definitely do better on synthetic thyroid hormone, levothyroxin. Uh, There's tyrosins. If someone's going to be on synthetic T4, tyrosins is more hypoallergenic, whereas Synthroid, which is most commonly prescribed, 
has a number of different fillers and less than desirable ingredients in there. So I prefer desiccated, but it, again, depends on the person. And obviously, if you go to like a conventional medical doctor, including most endocrinologists, they're probably going to recommend synthetic thyroid hormone. As far as risk versus benefits, so I mean, thyroid hormone supplies every cell and tissue in the body, so you don't want your thyroid hormones to be too low. And I get it. Nobody wants to be on a hormone and, or I mean, there are people that don't mind being on hormones, but a lot of people don't want to be on hormones. And especially in the case of thyroid hormone replacement, a lot of practitioners will just put the person on thyroid hormone and will keep them on it permanently. In some cases, it's necessary. I'm not saying it's never necessary to be on thyroid hormone replacement long-term, but of course, they don't do anything to address the cause of the problem. But again, you don't want to be having low thyroid hormone for a long period of time. Thyroid hormone supports mitochondrial function, which are the energy powerhouses of the cell. Just a lot of bad things can happen if your thyroid hormone is too low. Then obviously the benefits is that thyroid hormone supplies every cell tissue in the body. And just uh, just for overall optimal health, you want healthy levels of thyroid hormone not to mention how you feel. I should have mentioned this with antithyroid medication. A benefit of taking antithyroid medication is a lot of people are anxious and they have other symptoms and they feel a lot better when taking antithyroid medication and similar with thyroid hormone. A lot of people feel better when taking thyroid hormone. Again, not everybody. There might be other imbalances, adrenal imbalances, gut issues, but yeah, that's why you want to evaluate everybody on an individual basis, or at least practitioners want to evaluate everyone on an individual basis. And you want to go to someone who doesn't just do a thyroid panel, put you on medication and says, that's it. <laughs> that's many times the case with thyroid hormone replacement with in cases of Hashimoto's, for example, antithyroid medication, usually the person won't be put on antithyroid medication permanently. Usually there'll be a timetable. And if the person after, let's say a year and a half, like 18 months, 24 months, uh, they're still hyper. If they try getting off the antithyroid meds and they relapse, then they'll be told to get radioactive iodine and thyroid surgery. In many cases, one or the other, not both thyroid surgery and radioactive iodine, but usually told to take to get one of those. All right, so back to thyroid hormone. As far as dosing, again, that really depends on the person. I mean, if someone were to get a complete thyroidectomy, if they, you know, so their entire thyroid gland is removed, then of course they would be taking a higher amount, a higher dose of thyroid hormone. And if someone has a slightly elevated TSH and the thyroid hormone levels are not too far off as far as the lab reference range, they might be given a lower dose of either synthetic or desiccated thyroid hormone. So again, obviously you you would go to a practitioner and hope that they have a lot of experience recommending thyroid hormone replacement so they don't give you too much or too little. And then as far as alternative options, I mean, whereas antithyroid medication, there's herbs that you can take in place of the antithyroid medication. That's not really the case with thyroid hormone. I mean, there are herbs that stimulate the HPT axis, which is the hypothalamic pituitary thyroid axis, like ashwagandha is one of those that can do that. But first of all, most cases of hypothyroidism are due to Hashimoto's, which is an immune system problem. So taking ashwagandha is not going to do anything for the autoimmune component. And same thing, obviously, with the thyroid hormone replacement. But ashwagandha usually is not going to stimulate enough thyroid hormone where someone could avoid taking thyroid hormone if they truly need it. Again, 
as I mentioned earlier, not everybody needs thyroid hormone. And there are glandulars. So there are thyroid glandulars like GTA Forte and GTA from the company Biotics Research is one example. There's a company Natural Thyroid Solutions that have, uh, they, they have a product called Thyrogold, which is pretty good. And there are other glandulars out there. There are glandulars that have thyroid hormone, and then there are glandulars that do not have thyroid hormone. So again, if you need thyroid hormone, then you'd want to speak with a practitioner about taking a glandular that does have thyroid hormone. The examples I just gave do have thyroid hormone, both the ones from biotic research, as well as the thyroid gold from natural thyroid solutions. And so I think that's pretty much all I want to cover. And so that is my answer to the question, when is thyroid medication truly necessary to take? Again, it does depend on the person, but all I'll say here is I understand not wanting to take medication because I didn't take medication. And again, I don't really think about thyroid hormone replacement as medication. It's a hormone replacement. Antithyroid medication such as methimazole, definitely think of that as medication. And again, there's a time and place for both of those. So you just got to use your judgment and of course, work with the practitioner to get the practitioner's opinion as well. So as usual, I hope you found this Q&A episode to be super valuable, and I look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And to get your free thyroid and immune health restoration action points checklist, visit SaveMyThyroidChecklist.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.